Now, most of us, when we hear falsehood, immediately think of a blatant lie. It includes that, but it's much more than that. Certainly, falsehood is forbidding, or falsehood would include outright lying, but falsehood involves anything, note this, with the intent, intention to deceive. Anything with the intention to deceive. It could be shading the truth, just enough to mislead, purposely shading the truth, exaggerating and embellishing something. That's part of falsehood. Cheating in school or cheating in any arena of life. Withholding information could come under this, say, on your income tax forms. That's falsehood. Not keeping a promise either to God or to a person. Betraying a confidence. Somebody shared something with you in confidence. Don't tell anybody. Okay. And you tell somebody. Flattering people by giving them a compliment that you didn't mean. You just wanted them to like you. You might want to have made them feel good. So you said something was untrue. Don't do that. The apostle tells us that once we become Christians, we ought to put out of our lives all talk that lacks integrity. verse-by-verse series is titled Words Have Meaning. We have been talking about how the words we speak can be a window into the condition of our heart. So far we have spoken of the negative side of our speaking. Today we ask the question, what reflects the new man? To answer that question, Pastor Steve is going to take us to the book of James as well as Ephesians. We will once again look at Ephesians where Paul talks about edifying each other. And that means building up and strengthening each other. Today we will learn that words that edify are words that are perfectly suited to help each other in our specific needs. Or as Proverbs says, how delightful is a timely word. I think we are going to find today's program will be full of edification for each of us. So be ready in Matthew chapter 12, as well as James and Ephesians. Now, here is Pastor Steve Kreloff. Paul tells us that we are to lay aside speaking falsehood, because that's the way that unconverted people speak. That's the way we used to speak. Now, most of us, when we hear falsehood, immediately think of a blatant lie. It includes that, but it's much more than that. Certainly, falsehood is Forbidding or falsehood would include outright lying, but falsehood involves anything, note this, with the intent, intention to deceive. Anything with the intention to deceive. It could be shading the truth, just enough to mislead, purposely shading the truth, exaggerating and embellishing something. That's part of falsehood. Cheating in school or cheating in any arena of life. Withholding information could come under this, say, on your income tax forms. That's falsehood. Not keeping a promise either to God or to a person. Betraying a confidence. Somebody shared something with you in confidence. Don't tell anybody. Okay. And you tell somebody. Flattering people by giving them a compliment that you didn't mean. You just wanted them to like you. You might want to have made them feel good. So you said something was untrue. Don't do that. The apostle tells us that once we become 
Christians, we ought to put out of our lives all talk that lacks integrity. That's what he's saying. That means that in your business ethics, you are not to say anything that would be less than honest in order to close a deal. You may think, but I might lose a lot of money on that. Better to lose a lot of money than to dishonor the Lord. That means that in your relationship with others, you are always to speak the truth, even if it means rebuking somebody for their sake or correcting someone. We should be men and women who are known as those who speak the truth, just like the Lord we say we're following, who said he was the truth and that his word is truth. So scripture tells us that unlike the speech of unbelievers, which tends to be characterized by falsehood, we're not to be like that. And let me just add to this. This does not mean being brutally honest. I know people who are honest in a brutal way. Paul isn't saying that at all. He's not saying just get it off your chest whether you crush them or not. Because back in verse 15, Paul said, but speaking the truth in love. We're to speak the truth to people for their sake in a loving manner. So he's not talking about brutality here. But understand, the world is characterized by falsehood. Most non-Christians have no qualms about being dishonest. In fact, I remember an unsaved businessman telling my son one day, this was what he was advising him how to live. He said, listen, Ben, you either lie or you die. That was his motto. That was his motto. That's the way the world generally thinks and they conduct their their lives. The speech, though, of a converted individual ought to be characterized by honesty. We should always tell people the truth, regardless of how awkward it might be, how uncomfortable it might be for us, how much money it might cost us. We ought to be known as men and women of the truth because we used to be men and women of lies and falsehood. But that's not all that should govern our speech. If you jump down to verse 29, Paul's not through. Paul's not through about this important subject. He says in verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now let's stop there for a moment. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. That's the way the unsaved are and that's the way we were before being Christian. Now what does he mean by unwholesome? Well, the actual Greek word here for that's translated unwholesome literally means foul and and putrid and, and rotten. So, Paul is certainly telling us that we are never to speak in words that are vulgar, dirty, crude, profane. In fact, he follows this up a few verses later in chapter 5, verse 4, by saying that there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. A Christian then is never to tell off-color jokes, never to tell dirty stories. He's never to use lewd or obscene language. This just is not consistent with the righteous nature that has been implanted in us. It is not consistent with the way Jesus did speak and would speak if he were here physically. But listen, the concept of unwholesome speech involves far more than just lewd talk. Watch this. Unwholesome speech also includes words that are designed to tear others down, to cut them down, and just be negative for the sake of being negative. And the reason I say that is, let's let's look at the whole verse. Verse 29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, what Paul is going to do is tell us just the opposite. 
And the opposite of unwholesome speech, notice, is edification, which means to build up. But only such a word, he says, as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. This is tremendous. The opposite of unwholesome speech is edification, which means build up, encourage, to strengthen others. Now, folks, what this means, then, is that our speech should never be characterized by words that maliciously and slanderously run others down. Our speech should always be with the intent of building others up, of encouraging them, of giving grace to them, of of uh, even when we give criticism, it ought to be constructive criticism. It's never to be criticism for the sake of criticism. We are not to be sharp-tongued people who simply complain and uh, tear others down. It should always be with the intent of helping them. I recall reading about a woman who was very sharp-tongued and came to the evangelist John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, and she said, uh, I can't stand your tie. She just complained, I mean, his tie. She said, I hate your tie. I don't like your tie. This woman was noted to be a complainer and have a sharp tongue. So, so Wesley gave her scissors and said, then cut it off. You don't like it. So she did. And uh, he proceeded to then say, you know what? I don't like your tongue. I'd like you to stick it out. Give me the scissors. We have to be very careful we are not sharp-tongued, critical people who just feel it's our obligation to tell folks whatever we want to tell them. That, by the way, is not speaking the truth in love. Once again, let me have you turn to James chapter 4. Once again, James addresses this very issue, which would tell us that this is a serious problem that Christians have. Notice, I mean, James in his little book, gave a lot of of space to talking about the tongue. James says in James chapter 4, verse 11, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Don't speak against one another. The principle here has a host of applications, but it essentially means that we are never to speak of someone with the intent of unkindly putting them down. Slanderous. Need to be careful about negative talk. Careful about criticizing others. In fact, you should not be going to other people and criticizing somebody else. If you have a problem with them, go to them. The only time it is ever appropriate to say anything negative about someone else is if the person you're speaking to is part of the problem or can be part of the solution. If they have nothing to do with it, it's called gossip and slander. And when you're speaking to somebody, criticizing them, Make sure your criticism is for the sake of helping them. Otherwise, it's unwholesome speech. does not reflect the new man. So what does reflect the new man? Well, once again, look, look at Ephesians. Go back and look at Ephesians because Paul takes it even deeper. It's very broad when you talk about edification. That, that means, as I said, generally building up and strengthening. But notice how Paul actually defines edifying speech for us. He says, according to the need... Of the moment, this is verse 29, chapter 4, so that it will give grace to those who hear. In other words, words that edify are words that are perfectly suited to help each other in our specific needs. It means that you know someone well enough to go to them and give them words that are strengthening, hopeful, encouraging. They are words of grace, meaning they are words that strengthen us. They give hope. They help us in our daily battles and struggles. As Proverbs says, how delightful is a timely word. 
Not talking about empty flattery. Talking about a timely word to help someone. This is the way we're to speak. With well thought out words that would be of benefit to that person at that immediate time. And we will speak like this if we're truly saved. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If your heart is changed, you will speak like this. You'll be conscious of this. Our words are important. Why? Because our words reveal our true character. And the true character of Christ is to build up, not put down, to encourage, not be sharp-tongued for the sake of hurting people. So Jesus went on to give now, not only one reason, but he went on to give a second reason why our words are so important. Not only... Do our words reveal our true character? But he said that our words will be evaluated by God. Verse 36 of Matthew 12 as we go back to finish our study. Jesus said, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. This is a very sobering verse, isn't it? You know what? It is intended to be a sobering verse. In fact, notice how the Lord introduces this verse. He says, But I tell you, that's very similar to when he says words like, truly, truly, I say to you, or, or I tell you the truth. It's, it's our Lord's way of telling us that an important truth, a rather significant truth, is about to follow. I mean, everything Jesus said was significant, but here he's emphasizing, it's his way of saying, listen to this, don't miss this, this is especially important. And this is rather important, because the Lord goes on to state that each of us will be held accountable on the day of judgment for every careless word that we speak. That is to say, in the future, when we stand before God, unbelievers will stand before Him at the great white throne judgment. Believers will stand before Him at the Bema seat to receive rewards and have our lives evaluated. We'll never be punished for our sins because Christ was already punished in our place. But it is to say, when we stand before God, either at the great white throne judgment or at the Bema seat of Christ, each of us will have to answer to Him for every word that we have said. Now, in light of that, that's a rather critical uh, truth that we need to understand. What is What does Jesus mean by every careless word? Well, the word that is translated careless, it may be translated uh, useless in, in some versions, uh, basically it does mean useless or worthless in the sense of having no value. And I, I think that's that's kind of the thought here. That's it, it, He's not saying these words are necessarily sinful. They, they just have no value. It's the same word, used by James when he says that faith without works is useless, has no value. Because a faith that does not produce good works is a faith that has no value since it is not genuine saving faith. So then, as we think about this, what what does Jesus really mean? What, What are words that are worthless and useless? Why will we have to give an account for every careless word that we speak? What does that mean? Well, let me, first of all, put your mind at ease. Because I think I know what you're you're thinking You may be thinking, does this mean that the Lord is forbidding me from having any small talk, light conversations, joking around? Just, can I not talk about sports anymore? Can I talk about the weather? Can I talk about styles, current events, anything of that nature? No, that's not what he's saying at all. Feel free to to speak about that. That's not what this is talking about. The Lord is not saying that all of our conversations from this point on need to be heavy, deep theological Conversation. Not saying that at all. What he is saying is that every word that we speak, even the most trivial, insignificant words, will be evaluated by God on the day of judgment. He's not saying that everything we say 
is a wicked word. All careless words are wicked. In other words, he's saying there is nothing that you and I say that will not be held accountable for. Even the most trivial of talk, even the most careless word, not necessarily sinful, just useless, worthless. Many of us have said a lot of useless, worthless things in terms of eternity. That's not necessarily sinful. They're just trivial talk, small talk. I love the way Warren Wiersbe explains this. He said, if God is going to judge our small talk, then how much more will he judge our deliberate words? It's by our conversation at unguarded moments that we reveal our true character. So why is it that every word ever spoken by us, even the smallest talk, is important? Why is it? Because all of our words, even the careless ones, reveal our true character and they will be the basis for which we will be judged. Verse 37. Jesus said, For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. At the judgment bar of God, and I think primarily he's talking now about unsaved people because those are the ones who will be at the judgment bar of God, the great white throne judgment. At the end of the age, it will be very clear who is a believer, who was a believer, who is not a believer. As I said, believers will not appear at the great white throne judgment. So I think he's primarily talking to unbelievers here. But in general, as far as being accountable to God, it will be very clear at the end of the age who are believers and who are not believers. And what will make that clear? By the very words that we spoke. The words that a believer has spoken during his lifetime prove that he had a converted heart, that he had converted, even the careless words, even the careless words, the, the words that were not of a deep theological, heavy discussion type of deal. It'll prove that he was a converted, converted individual. But the words of, a, of an unbeliever will prove that their hearts were never changed and they will be condemned. All the Lord will need to do is say, this is how you spoke in your lifetime. This is how you spoke. That's the evidence that they were never saved. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if someone stands before the Lord and said, but, but I, I was like this, I, but here's what you said. Their words reveal character. Now let me just clarify something very important, lest you misunderstand something of a critical nature. It's important to keep in mind that we understand that salvation is not based upon our good words. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by good words. This is not salvation by speech. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ's death alone, Christ's death on the cross for our sins. However, once a person is saved, they will produce not only godly works, but godly words. Let me, let me show you this in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul very clearly states in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. See, it's not, not good works. By faith. Grace means unmerited favor. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of anything you've done. Not of your speech. Not of your works. And he, he actually says that in verse 9. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You're not saved by your baptism. You're not saved by church attendance. You're not saved by... You're, uh, you're giving, you're not saved by benevolent deeds, and you're certainly not saved by your good speech. For, Paul says, here's how it works, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. When God saved you, he did that marvelous work of grace in you, and if you are truly saved, your life will reflect that in godly deeds and works. 
which he means by this obedience, obedience to him, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Your life will bear fruit as the evidence that you are really saved. And part of that fruit will be your good words. The words that reflect a new nature. Wholesome speech, edifying speech, speech that is characterized by truthfulness. Let's bow for prayer and let's let's think about this. And how do we need to change? As you're still before the Lord, I want to press this home. It is very easy to be thinking about how other people need this in their lives. But God is speaking to you today. God is speaking to you and that's all you're responsible for. As you evaluate the way you speak, ask yourself this. Do my words consistently hurt or do they help others? Am I known as one who wounds others with my words because I have a sharp tongue? Or am I known as one who brings healing and hope to others by the things that I say? Do I practice falsehood with my words? Do I practice honesty and truthfulness regardless of the consequences? Now you can evaluate this yourself. If you need help, ask someone who loves you enough who will tell you what you need to hear, the truth. If your words are consistently unwholesome, I mean consistently, that this is just your norm, then you need to make sure that you know Christ. You need to, as James said, make sure your heart is not deceived. You're not a believer if your speech has never changed. You're not a believer. You need a new heart. And that heart or new nature only comes when you repent of your sin and trust Christ to be your Savior with a heart commitment to follow Him as Lord. When that happens, not only will God forgive you of all your sins, but He will give you that divine new nature and there will be changes in your life. There have, there have to be. It could be, though, that you are a true believer who genuinely struggles in speaking the way a believer should speak. Then my advice to you would be don't concentrate on changing your words Concentrate on on making sure your heart, your mind is filled with the truth, not the trash of this world. The saying goes, garbage in, garbage out. What are you reading? What music are you listening to? What kind of conversations are you having with others? What are you watching on television? These are the things, if you're having a problem with your speech, these are the things you need to think about. Fill your minds with the truth and wholesome words will come out of your mouth for out of the abundance of the of the heart and mind the mouth speaks if you've never trusted christ you're convicted that you're an unconverted person then i urge you trust him today call upon the lord to save you we can be of any help we are available lord we thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth that you are never sharp with us lord you're always gracious in speaking to us. And sometimes, Lord, you you wound us, but it's because you love us. You convict us of our sin. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Lord, thank you for being not only our Savior, our Lord, but thank you for being our friend who cares enough about us to tell us where we need to change. Lord, I pray if there's conviction by the Holy Spirit that you will help each one, each one of us, to make the changes. Not to be thinking about how others need to change, but for us, I pray if there are some here who are convicted of, of their need for salvation because their speech reveals an unregenerate heart, that they won't delay, that you'll draw them to yourself and that they'll be saved. And for those of us who really know you, Lord, may our speech reflect a redeemed heart. Help us to think 
properly so as to speak properly. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. As we wrap up today's verse-by-verse program, we are reminded of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 12. Not only do our words reveal our true character, but Jesus said that our words will be evaluated by God. Verse 36 of Matthew 12, Jesus said, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. That is a sobering verse. So today, Pastor Steve encouraged us in two main areas. Positively, we are to use our words or the way we speak for encouraging and building up of other people. We also had a warning that our careless words will be evaluated by God Himself. I hope you're already planning to join us next time for Verse by Verse on this fine radio station. And please tell a friend and encourage them to tune in also. Verse by Verse.